Welcome to the second season of Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. This is a podcast for women and men that want to keep or recover their mental and physical resilience despite all the challenges of our modern society. Every season, professionals of all fields related to stress and health will share their knowledge with you. You will also find valuable free information on www.escapeburnoutsociety.com. So stay tuned. This is your host, Gabriela Guzman. Welcome everyone to Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. Today, my guest is Anouk Bindles. Anouk is a psychologist, family and relationship psychotherapist, trainer, coach, and behavioral scientist. Anouk has such a remarkable story to tell, not only because of her paradigm shifting work, but also because of her self-healing experience after suffering from trauma and physical illnesses for a very long period of time. Her story is described in Dr. Joe Dispenza's book called Becoming Supernatural under the pseudonym of Anna Willems. Anouk is with no doubt the living proof of the power of our mind over matter. So, hi Anouk, welcome. You are very welcome. I'm so glad to see you here. This is a very nice uh, summer night. I think it's also very warm at your place. Yes, it is. <laughs> but anyway, it's even warmer when you are here to talk to us about your amazing story. Anouk, my first question for you. Actually, I would like our audience uh, to know more about you. And it's a very long story. It's an amazing story. So I won't deprive anyone of any kind of detail, but let's, let's talk about how everything began. And, and maybe you can tell us about your youth, how it was, and then how everything was evolving until about 2007 when you had this pivotal, pivotal moment in your life. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, I can talk about that. Thank you, first of all, for inviting me and giving me the space to uh, talk and share uh, my story. Uh, it's only recently that I began to realize how important it is to talk about what happened to me and how uh, I came overcame that and how I got out of it. And um, my life wasn't an easy one. The start wasn't easy. I was uh, what you can say early uh, childhood traumatized and had, didn't have such a nice uh, upbringing. I was born into a family where there was a lot of dysfunction in my uh, from my father's side. He was an alcoholic. And my mother was very young when she got all of us. And so my life was not an easy start. But growing up, you don't know that. You only know that when you look, live forward and start understanding backward, right? Yeah. So I lived forward. I had many problems. I suffered my whole life of anxiety. I suffered my whole life of being uh, very often depressed. My puberty wasn't easy. And when I was 18, I decided to start finding answers because I was by then already, I had had a few therapists already. And I was really interested in finding answers and solutions. So when I was 18, I already started with meditation because my psychiatrist from that time, he was an Osho adept. 
And he's a very famous uh, Dutch uh, psychiatrist, which is called Jan Fultren. And at that time, he was uh, with uh, the Osho community. And when I went into therapy, into his uh, field, I came to know already a little about meditation. And I started then already addressing my problems with uh, more like self-reflection, body work, and it helped me till a certain extent. Then I lived on. I started studying psychology. I became a therapist myself, started working in the clinical field, and I started working with addictions because I know that when you are suffering from addiction, it's mostly because we had have experienced a lot of pain. And uh, addiction is a way of dealing with the pain of life and upbringing. So I started studying that. And then from there onwards, I became married. I uh, became a widow. That was my first experience. I was 29 on the verge of turning into 30 when my first husband died of cancer. And I moved on and I had a new relationship and with my uh, husband, I married to him. We got two very beautiful children. And uh, when we were 17 years onwards in the relationship, and then I talk about 10, uh, 10th of June, 2007, which is, if you watch the date now, it's very uh, 14 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, he committed suicide. And I knew when we went into the relationship that he was a a person that was suffering from depression. And he was a a person that actually he and I met on this wounds. You know, we were both not very happy. We were searching for happiness. So we met on a certain energetic level at that time. But we were happy. We, we decided to have a relationship. We went on and with our difficulties. But when the children were young and life started asking more and more from him as well, being a family father, provider, and, 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 uh, he became more and more depressed and it was more and more difficult for him to stay. And uh, so we did a lot to get him out of that depression and um, a lot of therapies, a lot of couple therapy, talks, fights. You know how it is when you live with a person that is actually also traumatized. Uh, but what I know now, I didn't know them. So when he committed suicide, I was devastated because I, I, it was very unexpected. It was very unexpected. And he decided to walk out of the house without leaving a note, without leaving us anything. And when he did that, I actually later knew what I know now. I didn't know by then, but I froze in time. And that's what happens when you get like a message like that. And to me, the police came at our door and told us that he had committed suicide, jumping off a building. And I still, till today, it's now 14 years ago, I still very much remember what happened to me at that moment. I know that my body immediately went into a very, very strong reaction. And 
it was like my breath was stucking, it was stopping, my heart started racing, and my mental state was starting in overdrive. Now I know that this is the survival reaction towards uh, happening outside. We react, and the body is the language of feelings. So when we start feeling strong, overwhelming emotions, our stress response puff, goes on. And actually from that moment, the stress response stayed on. But what I didn't know was that that was actually hooking into something in that I had experienced before. Abandonment, betrayal, being left alone, needing to survive. You know, so actually something that I knew jumped on very strong and put me into a very strong survival mode. And that stayed there. So after a while, I couldn't sleep. I was in an overdrive. I was also working and then full-time working, a mom. So six weeks after the funeral, I started managing and everybody was telling me, you're a very strong woman. You can manage this. You will come true, you know. And I, of course, I, can, I come true, you know. Of course, I did that. I started working again. I started looking after my children. I started looking after my job. I started look, looking after I was a manager. So I was looking after my people, you know. I was doing everything. And on during the day, I was doing everything and pretending as everything was normal because I was in my survival mode. And at night, when everything would go quiet, then the, it would kick in. Then my body would not be able to rest. I could not bring my body into a resting state. I mean, sounds familiar, right? Sounds very familiar, yeah. Yeah. Very familiar indeed. So you, you were completely under the uh, hormones of stress. Yes. And, and, and that's so difficult to explain that. And, and it, it, it gets worse because then you cannot sleep and you yes. don't get this, this reset your exactly. body needs. Exactly. Yeah. So because when you go into sleep and when you know a little bit about the brain waves, you know, when you, your body needs a deep sleep, because in the deep delta waves of the brain, that's where the body gets into restoration. And if you don't sleep well, and if the body is all the time in this survival mode and your adrenaline is on top and your brain waves are in very high beta all the time, then the body doesn't come to rest. So what happens then? You first go hormonal out of balance. And that's happened to me. I didn't menstruate from that time. I was immediately in my menopause. And... Then after that, hormonally, I was just out of balance. Then the whole uh, blood juices, everything went out of order, you know, and you become acidic, you become toxic. And what I was living under was what we call now toxic stress. And the body became toxic. And after nine months after this happening, I found myself in the hospital 
paralyzed from my uh, down from my my legs and I couldn't hold my urine and I couldn't hold my bowels and I couldn't walk and that was because my in the in the what we call the cauda area the, the area of the big neuroplexus in the in the, the back of your spine that was blown off totally the uh, the protection of the nerves they call this a neuritis and it's an autoimmune reaction in the body but my whole protection was blown off and actually it represented what was happening to me in my life. My protection had gone. My husband died. He committed suicide. I had to provide for my kids alone. His, his income had fallen away. I had to look after my kids alone. I had to take care of my job. I had to take care of everything, even about our friends and family, you know, everybody was in a shock. And I felt that I was responsible of going on and taking on everybody on my neck, even my work. So I took the whole load on me. Can you imagine that my legs couldn't carry me anymore at one certain point? Now I know that, you know, now I know that. But by then I didn't know. Uh, wait, so my, it's the message couldn't be clearer. It's like, stop, yes. stop, stop. stop. Yes. Yeah. Don't do it, do this anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I'm also very amazed because people have this idea and that's something I have told many times in my podcast that, um, it's quite difficult to, to, to say it into the public, but everybody thinks you are Wonder Woman and you are able to do everything and you have a career and you have a children and family. And I was also very sportive and whatever. Anyway. And everybody says, oh, you're strong and nothing's wrong with you. Take a day or two and you will be fine. And you, you know, you just say, yeah, sure, sure. And you feel yeah, better. But even I thought that, <laughs> even I thought of Gabriella, that when I would take a holiday, that it would give me, you know, even my, my boss told me at that time, which was a, a few months on, wouldn't you take a holiday, go with your kids, you know, and take a holiday, but when the body is in this mode, in this survival mode, and that has become the new normal, you don't even know how to get back to it. Because that has become the new normal. My state of being at, from that time had become my new normal. So even a week holiday wouldn't solve it because my brain would make over drive anyway you know from where I was on my holiday I would still be busy with my job and surviving and finances and my kids and 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 you know so I would I couldn't stop that because I was not aware only until my legs and my couldn't carry me anymore and my body gave up that was the moment that I realized wow something serious is happening <laughs> Yeah. So from that moment, because, well, you, then you went to the hospital and of course- I was in the hospital for six weeks, yeah. And you got all kinds of drugs and nobody thought that has to do with stress. No, nobody. No, because they only look at the symptoms. And of course, I mean, I cannot blame them, right? Because they are educated in a way that they treat symptoms and- it's, it's, nobody was interested in the cause at that moment. 
What caused this? Of course, they were looking into viruses and they were looking into bacteria, but nobody mentioned that stress or toxic stress could be a factor and that this what led up to a almost a year back was the cause. I mean, I cannot blame them. So I'm also not blaming them because it's a, it's a paradigm. When you're trained in a certain way, even I was trained in a certain way as a psychologist. Now I'm trained in another way. And I, I, I take in that we cannot heal people really when we don't look into and blend all the fields together because we need a blending of fields and science to get a full picture of what is needed to heal a person. And of course, we have to look into what's happened in the environment, what has happened into the past, what you said when we started this interview. Of course, this had all to do with my past because I was used to survive adversities as a child already. I used to continue. And work through things as if nothing has happened. You know, so this was my pattern. This was my programming. I did it that way because I didn't know better. That's why this is so personal because I did this that way. Somebody else would become a total victim and wouldn't come out of the bed for months after such a thing or would start drinking and, you know, going down the drain or you know, do something else. But everybody reacts to an adversity with a conditioning that you bring from how you are conditioned from childhood. And my conditioning at that time was you go on no matter what. You fight all things that come up in life, you know. And that's how I was conditioned. That was the conditioning for my family, for my upbringing. My parents had lots of things happening to them when I was young. And they showed me, you always go on, no matter what. You know? <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Which is in a way a good thing, but not if you walk yourself into death. You know, if you walk yourself into illness. If you walk yourself into mental fatigue. Exactly. And, and this about we're telling about walking yourself into illness because how many of us are really very conscious about this uh, relations, this very strong relationship between your mind and your body? I mean, it's now more known, but I can tell you, I've been just not so long ago with a, a physiotherapist who, who was a specialist and he was going to help me with, uh, I told you that I still have some problems with my arm and the finger is not really, it's still numb. and. He said, uh, I told him that I, I was meditating and I was doing this kind of stress relief. And then he said, oh yeah, meditation, yeah. Yeah, well, the head needs also to be relieved sometimes. I said, well, I do it already for two, almost three years. He said, well, the, the head is, it's, it's stick to the body. So you cannot do anything about that. Wow. <laughs> That's what he said. That's to me is a very limited view. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh, I think this is not going to work. And I, it didn't. So, but now that you're talking about this relationship, you are, okay, you, 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 got, you got there, but I know that even it got worse. Yes, it got worse. Because 
I was treated in the hospital. You know, when you have such a reaction in the body, the only thing that the hospital knows to give you to treat infection in the body with is corticosteroids. And what is corticosteroids is nothing else, it's cortisol. You know, and you know already that when you have been living on such a stress function, that giving cortisols, it will not make your body better. It will only make it worse. And that's what happened to me. I was treated for years. First intravenous, of course, in the hospital. When I left the hospital, I was a mental, emotional and physical wreck. And I couldn't walk. I didn't know how to look after my kids. I couldn't work. I couldn't deal with anything. I was actually from the moment that I stopped being able to walk, I couldn't think straight anymore. It was like the moment I came to a stop and my body really gave this stop reaction. I couldn't think also clearly. I, I, I couldn't remember things, you know, I couldn't get things together. It was like as if I was on a glass bulb and everybody was talking to me, but I was numb. I couldn't feel and I couldn't hear things straight, you know, and it was like I was totally numbed. And of course, that's a trauma response. I know now it's a freeze response. So that means that in freeze response, what happens in the body is that the gas goes on and the brake goes on at the same time. So the systems in the body get really wrecked because you know what happens in the car when you start giving gas and you brake at the same time. It's, it's devastating for the car. If you see now that this is my body and that's happening, it's devastating for the body. So that actually happened. And this devastation went on. And of course, the medication that they gave me, they, they talk about side effects. But to me, this is direct effects. And the long-term corticosteroids really gave my body a huge problem, especially my immune system. So I developed not only the neuritis as an immune disease, so the attack on my immune system kept on going for a while. Uh, I, I also developed an uh, autoimmune disease in my mucous membranes. And that gave me, after a few years, this happened in 2008, the neuritis. Then when we are jumping on to 2010, I had ulcers everywhere in my body, in my mucous membranes. I had ulcers in my mouth, I had ulcers in my esophagus, in my vagina, in my anus. I had on a lot of places, I had ulcers. And uh, they said it's an autoimmune reaction. So I was taking even more corticosteroids and it kept on going. And uh, in that time, I also uh, was uh, treated with antidepressives because I, I, I couldn't function anymore. And I was, I was really depressed and I was... Um, uh, really in a very bad state. I couldn't look after my kids. I lost my job in that time because, of course, I tried to go back into working again. Like in Holland, we have this system which is called the reintegration process from the government audit and the protocol. And my job, my, my employee had to... Um, 
uh, yeah, follow that protocol. And they tried to reintegrate me a few times, but every time I used to fall out again because I felt sick again. I couldn't function. So then they decided to quit me after two years. So I lost my job. And then, of course, I was there totally (laughs) what we call in this U curve, the total down in the U curve. And I tried to all the time go up again and then (laughs) fall back again. And that was what was happening to me. I used to come up and then something would come and it always had to do with some either mental or emotional thing or a physical thing. Of course. And and this kind of plane that crashed that is trying to fly, but it won't fly because it still crashed. It still crashed. And and that's that's uh, something uh, amazing, actually, that, I mean, it, it's nice to have two years to try to recover, but, uh, I mean, I've been there and we were not so fortunate and well, especially you with, with, you know, the people around you that want to help are actually making it sometimes worse. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Without really knowing about it. Uh, as you say, you, you cannot say it's, it's, uh, it's their fault, of course. Huh? They, they didn't know better as That's well. True. Okay. So then you are again there. But it even got even worse. (laughs) Yes, it got worse. In 2010, after I developed all the ulcers, I uh, became digestion problems. And I had a lot of digestion problems and I had a lot of acidity and ulceration at my uh, esophagus. And that ulceration became finally became a cancer. And that was diagnosed in January 2011. And of course, then there is another treatment they can only offer you like um, uh, radiation or chemo. I didn't know which to choose. So I started with the chemo. I thought that would help. And that was the paradigm I was in, right? For four years, I was under medical treatment. By that time, I had already five five specialists. Like I had a, a neurologist. I had an internal I had a, a slime mouth uh, specialist. I had a psychiatrist <laughs> and I had a dermatologist. <laughs> so I had a lot of specialists and all giving me the same kind of meditation medication. And uh, that was that was the 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 paradigm I was in. And in January, I got this diagnosis. And then, of course, I got an oncologist. And they didn't give me a very uh, happy message. They said, uh, this kind of cancer, only 15% of people survive. But we discovered it very early. So we give you a little bit more chance. That was the sentence I went home with. And I was like, shocked. And by now I know about nocebo and placebo. So this was a real nocebo yeah. message. And um, I took it because, again, I was not there where I was. I am now. And um, actually, I gave up my life. I thought, okay, now I know what it is to commit suicide because I wanted to commit suicide at that time. And the only thing that kept me alive were my two kids because they were by then 14 
we were 15 and I thought, okay, if they don't have a mother also, what, what, what kind of mother I am to do the same thing. But, you know, I was very close to that, very close. And then I started opening up. I was, I found myself really after the first chemo, I did the first chemo and I had my experience there where I had an anaphylactic shock Mm -hmm. on a reaction on the substance in the chemo, which is called Avastin. Mm -hmm. And Avastin they give in to certain chemos, uh, especially when it's a very fast growing, uh, how do you say, um, when it's a very fast cell that's very fast diverting or growing. The tumor's growing quick. Yeah, very fast and Uh quick. And um, those cells, they mostly want to stop with a certain uh, drug. And that was in my uh, chemo. And that made my heart uh, blow, blow my heart up. So I really had a shock. And I was taken back into life again. But I was not conscious of that. You, you got electroshocks? Was- you were reanimated? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I was gone. I was also ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand. I mean, and the only thing that kept you here were your two children, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a very strong moment. That moment defined me. Coming back and my children and the feeling I had then okay, I'm not gone, so I'm here. (laughs) There's a reason. There's a reason. Something must be here. And what is it? And then what happened, actually, when I started opening up after that and talking to people, people gave me lecture, people gave me things to read. And then I have a very good friend and she's still to today is one of my very deep, dearest, closest friends. And she's also a therapist. And she was always a little ahead on me and finding new things and finding new ways of, you know, and she was interested already more on the spiritual side, which by at that time I had left completely during my psychology study. I had left what I started when I was 18. Because I had seen many things in that meditation practice also, which I didn't like, you know, and there was a lot of hocus pocus, which I didn't understand in that time. I was was too young. And when I turned back into more being more interested in the what we call uh, spiritual side of humanity, I found through my friend, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I went with her to one of his lectures and weekend workshops. And then I got hooked. I got hooked. I thought, wow, is this possible? Can we really heal ourselves? Is that really true that we are actually the creators of what we observe? Is that really true? And I wanted to go on a quest. I had nothing to lose. So I went on a quest with myself. I dedicated time to myself 
to find myself and with a quest of understanding, wanting to understand what makes us sick. And if my thoughts can make me sick, is it true that my thoughts can make me better as well? So I started on that journey. I started reading. I started visiting workshops. I started going to retreats. And then I started with meditation. And that was the start actually of my new journey. And what happened to the old paradigm? Did you totally you crushed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but you were not you were not still healthy. I mean it no. I mean th this is one of the things I want everybody to hear, but I this that's why I really admire you so much. Because look, there's so many people that you say, Well, I don't have anything to lose, but you had already lost everything, but really everything. And you still had your life. And you could just think, well, maybe I should keep on doing some things of the old paradigm, you know, like the medicines, or maybe try another kind of chemotherapy or whatever. But I think you just said, I'm going to follow that other path. And that yeah. takes a lot of guts, really. Yeah. It's not yeah. easy because you also have to give up all these things you will you have been educated in, you know, all these thoughts and 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 All, 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 all this knowledge it's in your brain is saying, no, don't do it. And you did. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's also something good out of my psychology study brought me into that is the curiosity to understand human behavior. And that's why I studied psychology. That's why I became a psychotherapist to, to understand what drives us into dehumanization or in to become more human and and instead of looking at the dehumanizing side of life i started which i was in for four years right i found solutions in my field of trauma psychology where they said let's look at the other side of life And at the same time, this came into my life, the new, which I call the new science of health and the more integrated science of health, where there's no separation between what we think and what we feel, where there's no separation between the brain and the body. And in that field, I found many people that were studying, like Amanda Blake, Amanda Blake wrote a very beautiful book, which is called the, Your Body is Your Brain. And those are my people in my own field, which also came now the last decade, last 10 years. There's been so much research done and neuroscience brings us together and shows us, yes, it is true. Our brain has a huge influence on our body. And our body is our brain. So when I started understanding these concepts, I started integrating that in myself, but not only in myself and in my own life, but also in my professional field. So those two went together. So why I became so dedicated is because at the same time when I started this, everywhere in the world, 
this became a new paradigm for many people, not everywhere yet, but it was already there. People, Dan Siegel, Joe Dispenza, studying the brain and seeing what is the effect of meditation on our health. Trauma specialists like Bessel van der Kolk, you know, who's studying trauma, brain impact and the effect on the body. And all those people came into my life and I was studying and studying and studying and at the same time implementing it in my life and using it and becoming more. At first one and a half years, nothing happened. I started with meditation and nothing happened. I was still ill and somewhere a door had opened. You know, you just need a crack of light to light light in a dark place up, right? And I can say to you that where I was was a very dark place. But when I started, slowly, slowly, it cracked open. And slowly, slowly, light came in. Relaxation came in. Relaxation. Like what? Relaxation, like other thoughts, other feelings. You know, seeing perspective again, where there was no perspective before, seeing a sense of perspective. And once that opened, I craved for more. And I suddenly knew in creating a new vision for myself that that was where I wanted to go. And that I learned from people like Lynn McTaggart and Dr. Joe Dispenza. They say you have to have a vision of your future. And a strong intention. And when that fits together with the physical feeling in the body and the emotion attaching to it, you will start drawing like a magnet the events, the people, the things towards you that will support you on that path and support you on that journey. And I don't know how it went with you, but I'm sure something happened to you like that as well. That the moment you made that somewhere unconscious maybe at that time it was not a real conscious choice but more a choice out of necessity if this doesn't help why not try this and then i saw that in this there was a lot of perspective and a lot of information that i didn't know of which came to me and supported me on this journey of course, and you become more curious, and you get en- yes. you get energy from it because you feel That's like it. if it's that possible, then 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 you know then you see the way out, then you see that then it's it's possible. Yeah, and then you hear stories from other people. I mean, your story in the book from Joe Dispenza was for me an inspiration because I thought if she got out, I have to get out. It's yes. no, there's no other way, you know, and it's it's just the idea like. Uh, you know, we are all humans. We all can do the same. So it's just to, yeah, to, to, to find this path and, and That's be open it. to it and really be open to it. And, and, and the thing is that one of the most important things of interviewing you is because if people hear this from people who like you, that you are a psychologist, you are very trained, you have uh, lots of experience, but you were also very deep down, very deep down. It happens to, Almost everyone can happen to everyone and everyone Absolutely. can also get out. That's the amaz- That's the most amazing thing. Yes. And um, so tell me something because you were then um, finding this way out, but you stopped 
the chemotherapy, isn't it? Yes, you I stopped. stopped. And yeah. what about the corticosteroids? Uh, I stopped them also. Uh, and I stopped my, slowly, my antidepressants as well. Yeah, can imagine. And what did the doctor say? They called me stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They called me dumb and stupid. Yeah. That you were believing people like Dr. Jodis Petsa and yes. other people like Yeah. Them. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't really, you know, encourage me. And that was the most disappointing thing I ever experienced. That the people that tell you that you have very less chances to survive something also take away all your hope in not supporting your path. And then I left the whole scene. I went to Germany for another treatment, which is a kind of a natural uh, immunotherapy. And those people believed in me. The doctors there, which are already outside of the box with their immunotherapy, you know, and treating people in a more holistic way and believing in me was such a relief. So I sold my house. I needed the money. And that is something which is very sad, actually that I could get treatment from radiation therapy and hundreds of thousands of chemotherapy, but nobody would support something that is more holistic, less invasive, less damaging to my body than the chemo. And I had to pay that all myself. Luckily, I had a house which I could sell and take the money to pay all that because I paid for all that myself. But I'm sure in the combination with the meditation and the process I went in and the energetic healings I received and the immune, natural immunotherapy I did and the supplements and the nourishment. There's no doctor ever asked me what I ate. You know, and they asked me, what are you eating? What food is supporting your energy level? I was eating worse things, you know. I was eating rubbish and they brought me on a total new path physically as well and treating my body as a temple, as something that needed energy instead of deflating energy out of me, which when I had my shock from this chemo, I knew this will kill me if I continue this. I knew that. And my body knew it as well because that's why it reacted so Vividly, and I know many, many people. After that, I've talked to many people on chemo because people come to me. They come with their problems. They come with their diseases, and they need a way out. And I'm not telling them not to take chemo, but I'm asking them, what do you feel what it does to your body? And it's not always doing its job very well. No. No, uh, my father is a physician and he told me that, uh, well, many people die from the chemo uh, effects. Um, of course, nobody talks about that. No, nobody talks about that. The people do, would have maybe lived even longer with the cancer than having this treatment 
that is so aggressive, so aggressive. And, and you know, maybe you, you will live like longer for a while, but afterwards it's uh, all downward. Yeah. And it, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. And, and of course. I made my choice you know, there. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, it has done very good. Because when did you hear that you were actually cured? In 2013, September. Two and a half years later. Wow. And there was anything inside you that would think, what if it doesn't of work? Of course. <laughs> what do you think? I had to fight those demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. What if the doctors had, had it right? Yes. 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 Uh, but if you know and you understand the power of your thoughts, if you know and understand the power of that, you either become your own placebo or you become your own nocebo which placebo is I shall do good, I shall cure, and nocebo is I shall harm. So if you, once you understand that mechanism, then you can regulate yourself into a different mindset, right? And of course, every time when the doubt would be there, every time there would be, you know, I had these voices. Of course I had these voices. And doubt was walking with me for two and a half years till I got the message, of course. And then I knew I was right deep down. And yeah. then from that moment onwards, I kept on working on not allowing that to slip my consciousness. Those subconscious programs which was still there, but I would rewrite them knowing now that our brain is very neuroplastic and we can rewrite our own and old programs and that we can reinstall and recondition our mind. And then with that, our body to a new level of mind, then that's what became my work. And I worked, daily on that of course and that's what meditation does i take my time out i meditate i self-reflect i see where i have my programs running because you see the, if you know and understand the subconscious mind then you know that you can only enter your subconscious mind with your conscious mind because the subconscious mind is that what is programmed and we are not aware of. And for 95%, we live out of those automatic programs. But once you know that you have a part of your brain, which is your frontal lobe, that you can use and access and consciously turn around and look inside, and that's what meditation does. You can consciously go into the subconscious mind and start reprogramming your mind to a different level and with that to a different level of feeling with that to a more elevated state of being in the world and with that your whole state of being has been changed and you have to start walking that mile somewhere 
Yeah, and and this this um um well you had the best one of the best guides. <laughs> I had a super teacher. Yes. Yeah. And did you have more people who were helping you? Because I mean, uh I think it, it's um, in in the meantime, this community has been growing. Yes. It's so, a huge you see, it's a, it's it's so beautiful that work. And it's so beautiful that there's more people standing up and teaching this. And it's, I learned from many more than only Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he was my teacher for 10 years. I worked with him for 10 years and I lived with that teaching. And then I started opening up professionally to other disciplines as well and seeing, hey, where's this investigated also? Where is research done like that as, as well? So in my own field, in my own field of psychology and behavioral science, it's now also entering more and more. And that's beautiful. There's done a lot of research, beautiful research on how this works, how neuroscience works and how, why neuroscience is also important for people to understand the function of the brain in order for them to be able to change. And do you think it has uh, earned enough recognition? Do you think? Not yet. That's why yeah. I'm so passionate about bringing it into the world, to my clients, to the common people who can understand their traumas and that they don't need to be defined by their trauma their whole life, that they can change. And I guess that many people don't take the step because, well, meditation is, you know, it, is, it, it has this kind of halo around. Yes. And we know, of course, where it comes from. Huh? And it is also, I mean, my podcast, it's called the Burnout Society because it's the place where you lose yourself. <laughs> and I love that name. I love that name. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But it, it's perfect. I mean, that's the burnout society. It's a place where you don't have to believe, believe in yourself. You have to lose yourself. And anything that it's not being seen and touched and smell is not true. <laughs> You're so right. Huh? And we are, we are pursuing things that are, are specifically material, actually. And, and so the, the, that's, that's the problem. When I talk about meditation, people have two reactions. First, the first one is, I don't understand. And you are right. You're a little bit weird. Or the second is like, oh yeah, I've tried that. I heard about it. So you've gone far with it. And now I'm very interested to know what is your professional, um, well, you're telling me what you're doing now, but, um, First, tell us about your book. You have uh, a book. Yes, I have a book, which is called The Heart and Brain Healing Process. And what you said just now is very important. Because, see, in the West, we have not thought about consciousness as a principle that could heal us. In the Eastern psychology, It's known as 
that what is healing us to become conscious and aware. And in Western psychology, that has always been like, uh, uh, we don't study consciousness, right? And now there's people that like Nassim Haramin and many, many more that are studying consciousness as a part of us that defines us. And my experience, my own experience is also that in stepping into this path of becoming conscious and aware and using consciousness as a way to transform things into my life, into different energy altogether, has made me understand that healing is about energy, is about consciousness, is about changing the energy. And we are not just some bones and blood and tissue. We are energy into a body. Because if you, if you look at the dead body, there's no energy left. So what is that what is defining us as human beings is energy. And I have an experience of having lost all my vital energy. And now I have the experience of being vital again. What is that? What is this energy? And what is the meaning of our energy and physical existence? I mean, you can only discover that in going within and tapping into it. And it's so easily overlooked. So if you're always outside with all your attention outside in the world, on the material things, on objects and things, then you are identified with object things, people, places, and you're identified with that. But once you turn your attention inwards and you start looking within, you become into contact. You come into contact with what is really you, is essence, is energy. And you have to dare to look at that. So it's not a, and of course, we are not, taught that that is a possibility as well. It's not so in our culture. Of course, more now than even 40, 50 years ago. I mean, if we see the growth in all fields of science, then we see that there's more interest in studying consciousness than ever before. Yeah, and 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 well, not only conscience, of course, but it, I mean, for some people, those, those, those energy. are... Yeah, and energy. That's, that's the first, what you say is, is like the first step because it's this energy that you're missing that you need to, to, to just have, you know, talk to friends, go somewhere, uh, whatever is the basic thing you need energy. And I, as I told you, I, one of the things I remember when I was lying in bed for three months is, is this hole I felt that I had no energy. And people say, oh, but you have to have your green juice and your vitamins and your antioxidants. And I said, dear, I do that every day. I have been eating very well and I've been, you know, sporting many years. I know exactly how to take care of my body, but it's not here. It's somewhere here. Well, somewhere there anyway. Um, so tell me, this is very important. What? Uh, do you touch this also in your in your book 
because yes. it's it's the yes. heart and the brain. So you're talking about two very special things in our body. Yes. Uh, how how do you approach this? It's it's two very powerful systems. And if you know that the brain is electrochemical, right, and the heart is electromagnetical, then you know how strong these two two energetic organs are and how powerful these systems are. And we are made up of energy. And the heart is a translator of energy. You studied half maths. So you have seen when you do the measurements, how energy works in the heart, right? And how energy works in the brain. We can influence with our heart energy. We can influence the whole field around us. There's people studying this. HeartMath Institute studied. And now there's people like George Spencer studying the brain and its effect on the environment. We always thought that matter is influencing us, but we never thought that we can influence matter with our energy. And that's what recently is coming out more and more, that we are energy and we have a huge influence on our environment with our energy. And of course, when we are totally identified with body and emotions, and we are, for example, identified with sadness, what kind of energy we transmit, not only to our body, but also to our environment. Right? So, and my book about healing goes about this, about using consciousness, energy into healing the body, but not only healing the body, healing your mental and emotional state, and therefore healing a little in your environment as well. Because if you heal yourself, you become a light or an example for others. That's why you and I love to talk about this. That's why we share our stories and you inspire other people to do the same. I hope so. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, uh, this is very nice that you say, uh, because, um, I think this, this, this is, um, uh, you try to be like a pebble on the water and creating these yes. circles and you hope these circles are going to be very far away and people will start to be a little less skeptic. And because it's also like a biased skepticism, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. It's yeah. very biased. And so the way you went in, the way I also tried, it's just by trying. That's it. And I'm also glad to hear from you. Well, glad. I mean, important to hear from you that it took more than a year before you could really feel any difference. That's it. And because when you get a pill, you get immediate response. If it will, I mean, you will feel something. Then you think, oh, it's working. But if you do what you were doing, well, it can take much longer. But of course, we are not aware of everything that's changing, huh? No, that's true. And you see, it's not a de dedication to the technique or to a teacher or to a method. It's a dedication to yourself. And that's, you know, when I felt this slight relief in sitting and meditating and going within and feeling and sensing myself again, instead of feeling so lost and like you said, empty, 
and I've started feeling a sense of connection again. That was what made me so dedicated because that was, was what was missing in my life. I was focused so much on the outside medication, outside things, doctors, people, methods. And when I started going within, I tapped into a different source altogether. And knowing more about that source, knowing more about that is a dedication to myself. And in that, I heal. And and could could you tell me maybe you you uh, you agree with me that at a certain point you just discovered that's a very big world inside. Yes, huge universe. And since we are not like um, maybe very able to see things, but it's a world where you are just feeling and uh, creating. Um, I think that that's the toughest thing for people who never meditate because they close their eyes and they don't see anything. Yeah, but you know, it's with everything in this world today. We want quick fixes. Instant coffee. <laughs> uh, I have many people coming to me and say, I'm meditating for a week and nothing is changing. <laughs> and then I tell them, welcome to the club. <laughs> Because it's not a quick fix. You cannot expect that from one meditation you are cured. It's 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 a it's a it's a utopia. You know, you need to dedicate to yourself. Sit and and also let go of the outcome. That's the toughest thing to do, is to go into a, a, a practice and then try it out. Like you said, try out for a while. And then you see only when you are in the process. It's, you know, it's like, it's the journey. We don't focus on the outcome. It's the focus on the journey. Of course. Yeah. And I don't believe in quick fixes and instant coffee. <laughs> no, certainly not after what you've been through. And People who have come for you and your professional guidance, can you tell us briefly, um, have you seen this happen again? People getting healthy after a very yes. hard time with their bodies. Yes. 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 I've seen and guided many people back into, if it would not be physical health fully into mental and emotional health. And I've seen and guided people back into a lot of physical health as well. And and, and like remissions and people with immunity. Remissions. Yeah. Yes. Remissions. You know, stops like a person with Parkinson's, you know, that they could really stop, not fully get the body into another condition, but it would stop at a certain point. And they would be more resilient and they would find other ways to deal with the problems and solution, find solutions where they have never seen before or looked before. And they would receive guidance out of most unexpected corners and find, you know, healing methods 
which would be specific for them. There's so much beauty out there. There's so much wisdom out there in the world. And as I said, if you dedicate to yourself, you will find that. It will come to you. I found many beautiful healers on my path. It's it's just a, a, a question of, of looking for them. Eh? It's not only that, it's, it's opening yourself to yourself and to that you say, okay, I'm on a journey of healing and be open for that what comes to you. And I, it's trial and error, like you said. Sometimes I tried something for a while and then I found out also, oh, this doesn't work for me. You know, or certain supplements. Oh, no, they are not good for me at all. Or a certain meditation. Mm, no, this is not my way. You know, so it's trial and error. But if you dedicate it to yourself, you will find that. And what about your depressions? Did they disappear as well? Fully. Fully. That's really amazing. I mean, uh, well, of, of course, I also already knew that many antidepressants are almost like a placebo effect <laughs> themselves. But to me, it helped for a while. That's true. And there was a certain point where it would only do harm. And it's that moment that you then decide, I decided at the time to quit. And I was, I'm happy now I did that. I don't depend on any drug outside. I can create my own drug. <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> yes. Those are the best. Oh, this is this is, has been really a great conversation, uh, Anouk. It's amazing. I Thank think you. We have to talk about. I would really like to talk about your book in the next, but he, it's coming yeah, out. Eh? It's coming yes, out. In, it's coming out in September, in, uh, September, October in German and in Dutch, and next year in English. And I created five meditations with it. And there's five meditations with the book, coming with the book in English already and in German and in Dutch. And I do give retreats. I do give a heel camp retreat, an international one, which is in English, which is in October in the Netherlands. And people, if, if your uh, listeners would like, they can just go to my website and find everything there. I have my website is in three languages in English. Dutch and in German, because that's the three languages I speak and I teach in. Yeah. It's for, for a very, very broad audience. Yes. And I think we really have to talk next time about your, your book, but I have to wait until it's out. Huh? Yes, that's <laughs> nice. That's nice. We meet again and then we talk about it. Then about you have read it. I will give you an, uh, one and you can read it and then we can oh, talk about yes, it. Yes, yes. I will write down all my questions. <laughs> yes, that's good. I love that. That's and good. In your website, Anouk, what else what can we find? Your information, your courses, yes. your agenda. Yes. Um, and the events. The events, yeah, yeah. that are up, uh, upcoming. Yes. And uh, online courses you have? No, not no. yet. They come out with the book. Ah, okay. Yes. Online courses. 
Okay, that's great to know. So do we have more Anuka Mindles for a while? <laughs> coming up. <laughs> coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. So it, it really has been great. Anuka, do you want to add something to this conversation? I mean, you, you, you might have something else to tell. Uh, I think we said and covered what we plan to discuss. And I think that's enough. You see, like, that's why you you asked me about burnout, right? And I'm sure that people who listen to this get inspired by talking about it and listening about it and reading about it, knowing that there's a way out. Even if you're physically burned out, emotionally burned out, mentally burned out, or energetically burned out, with most, most it's all of it together, right? that there is a way out. And that's is my most important message for tonight. And that we discussed. We discussed. Yeah. And, and, and you, pro- you are a proof. You are the living proof. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, Luke, I want to thank you very much. And uh, I will be speaking to you soon when your book comes out. Thank you very much. <laughs>